0: all right guys happy pride month eve welcome back to the podcast back to tomboy official man oh man all right so pride month um I don't really know the history of it so while I'm talking, let me look up some things. So Pride Month, uh, I know there's another month in Pride Month. Um, So it says, you know, it began on, you know, the Stonewall, Stonewall riots. June 28th, 1969, um, there were a lot of uh, gay liberation, um, I don't know what you would call them, I guess, riots or protests or, um, I don't know. Like when you kind of just advocate, you know, for even your own group, um, that's what I would consider it is people advocating for their own safety um, and well-being. And yeah, so I've never actually been to this location, um, to Stonewall. So it says a gay bar and recreational tavern in Greenwich Village, neighborhood of lower Manhattan, New York City. Um, I've never been there. Uh, I've never been to New York, actually, but it would be really cool to go. Um, Some reason, I thought the Stonewall riots were in San Francisco. I don't know. I'm terrible at history, guys, like uh I'm very forgetful of it, but I actually really love it, like uh, I don't know. History's kind of grim, but um actually really love it. I tend to enjoy um watching documentaries and um, you know, listening to stories from different sides of things um so that's something that I do enjoy. Um, I haven't really gotten too much into the sixties and seventies, um, yet, like not lately, like I've studied a bit of like the hippie movement and other movements near, uh, the Vietnam war. And, you know, I've definitely studied a lot more about like war history and war crimes history And propaganda and things like that, but you know, I usually get stuck around World War II, and I, you know, it's hard to really uh, easily and swiftly and smoothly find um, a path out from thinking about that whole situation. Like, it was a long time of just treacheries and chaos and death and you know like I usually get kind of stuck in history with all the things that went on you know just because it it doesn't fascinate me in like a Ooh, this is this is cool kind of thing like I don't feel like war is cool or anything like that or killing or death camps or anything like that like I'm not into that kind of stuff But I just have so many questions and, you know, it it just draws my attention to like, maybe if I keep, you know, learning about more and more, you know, I'll get more and more questions answered, Um, you know, and I think that also, you know, I kind of like looking at history kind of like, like the parallels of everything kind of side by side um like what was going on in some other places when other things were happening in other places for example you know world war Two. like what was going on in countries that weren't directly involved you know um so i don't know like things like that but I do know that. So let me see. Um, Sorry, I'm kind of thinking as I as a kind of writing and thinking at the same time. Uh, So the hippie movement was the 1960s and 1970s. Uh, The Vietnam War was Uh, um, including Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia from November 1st of 1955 to the fall of Saigon on April 30th of 1975. So the Stonewall riots happened actually during the time period of the Vietnam War and the hippie movement and all of that kind of stuff, which is kind of what I was, what I was speculating. Um, one thing that I find interesting is, you know, how things evolve over time. So one thing I want to talk about a little bit is, you know, how pride has evolved in my life over time. Um, I can't really speak to. you know, exact specifics of everybody's life, but I can talk about my life. And then another thing is um, not only how it evolved, how things evolved, but um, uh, I guess Like, how... How do I word this? Like, just kind of different events to do and things like that. Um, And I'm not just going to talk about parties. I feel like, yes, if people want to party, go party. You know, go party. Like, might as well, you know. Um, But, you know one thing that I'm kind of noticing in general, which isn't something that's too hard to understand, but, um, you know, I feel like the world and different areas of the world have seen multiple types of revolutions. Um, and in my opinion, it seems as if You know, the Stonewall Riots were a type of a revolution. Um, Now, if I look up that term, uh, you know, like in my mind, a revolution is basically some kind of event or purposeful action that takes place that goes against a major group. You know, like resistance against a major, uh, I don't know if you call it a power or authority or, you know, uh, majority culture group. Um, so this is a noun, a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favor of a new system. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I would see it, you know, like, that's not the only revolution that's ever really occurred, there were plenty of others, um, but something that I've kind of noticed is that it seems like over time there are these different, Uh, I don't know if they're categories or areas. There are all these different groups uh, of people who have, you know, created a, a revolution. And, you know, I feel like even with the RONA, we've experienced a form of that like maybe it wasn't like actual like a war or like actual violence but definitely you know people having multiple years to be away from their regular norms and sitting outside of that and thinking about it and actually adjusting their lives more towards what they want. And what they value versus what they've just done in the past a lot of people focusing more on their mental health now I do notice there are more mental health issues happening but at the same time more people are accessing mental health and the mental health field is opening has been opening you know more services ease of services types of services like Yeah, so we've definitely seen that change, but, you know, thinking back to, you know, the late 60s, right before the 70s, um, you know, life looked pretty dif- different, you know, things looked pretty different, and, you know, there was a lot of... Uh, ideas from the 50s that were very like America kind of needs to look uniform Um, one of my favorite shows which is probably strange to say but you know I you know there's a show that fascinates me it's so old um you probably know about leave it to beaver and I'm talking about the old black and white one um I think it took place in the 50s and goodness that show is so weird like there's no minorities really um I think I saw one black person in the whole entire series like I've watched this show like you know when you have a series that you've watched like the whole thing multiple times like I've been like that with The Sopranos with a a lot of other shows I've seen like every season but this is one of those specific shows that I've seen every season and there's one episode I think it's the episode spoiler alert I guess where Wally and Eddie Haskell are responsible for uh parking the cars at a at a wedding uh reception that's at I guess one of the dad's friends or family friends uh houses so they're basically getting the keys and parking the cars around the neighborhood so that the guests don't have to park far and walk and so you know I guess they're getting paid for that job and um doing parking and I think that's the episode where they go around to the back one day because they're service workers at this point, right? So they're being treated like servants. Like, you know, they're doing a service job. And I think they they get told to, like, go around the back. And I, so I don't think this is Wally's house or Eddie's house. I think it's some other person's house. And they have a, a black or African-American female, like, maid or, like, housekeeper or something. Somebody in the kitchen who's working. Um just a black lady she's working and you know it's kind of funny because like you know I've watched this show so much and you know sometimes I've skipped episodes and maybe didn't watch them all all the way through uh she's not a main character but she's a service worker you know or whatever you want to call it you know she's working in the kitchen of this family during this event And that's the only time where you see a black person, I think, in this whole entire show. And they just happen to be, you know, a cook in the back or, you know, I don't know what her actual title was or anything. And as a black person seeing that, it's like, okay, that is weird. Like, it's almost like too weird because it's like, you happen to have a black person working back there you know I don't know if they were working the event or if they were actually like um, part of the families like a worker that was actually like routinely there with the family or worked for the family and came in to work there I don't know but there were so many questions I was like wait like can we go into that story more like what's going on Um but then, you know, i would say you know, that was something that interested me and you know, just watching that show i kind of learned about maybe not how households and things actually were completely in the 50s, but that was kind of like ideal typical american representation there um without the diversity hardly at all. um Strangely, I always thought Eddie Haskell was black. Like, I think in my mind, like he seemed black. Like he had curly hair. I think his hair was blonde, and they mentioned it once, but because it's black and white, you can't really see. And in and in my mind, like with the like the timbre of his voice, I was like, he kind of sounds like a black guy, and like if you listen to the way he talks, and like, you know. I don't know there was something about it where I was like you know in my head when I was younger watching that I was like maybe he's black maybe he's mixed I never really knew until you know later on I realized you know what the reality was but I mean that show was even old when I was a kid so like you know there weren't like black and white shows really coming out when I was young um at all like but they were still on like Nick at Night and like all kinds of other channels. Like I started watching it on TV, but I don't know. It was probably on Nick at Night or something. I don't remember honestly. Um, but yeah, but I mentioned that to say, like, you know, that's kind of what the '50s looked like. Was like, you know, like if you look at that, or look at if you've seen that movie or that Netflix series. Uh, it's called Hollywood. Um, There was definitely a lot of homophobia, a lot of racism. Like you could get arrested still for, you know, homosexual activity of any kind. Like if people knew about it, you know, you could actually get in some real trouble for that um, legally. And so I'm just like, wow. So people came out of the 50s into the 60s and there's this period of time where you know the people decide you know the young people decide you know, you know we don't really want this society that we've been given in the 50s before that in the 40s you know midway through was you know the end of like near world war 2 and um the 30s were god only knows um, more wars all over the world and you know the 20s isn't that what they call the roaring 20s is that when is that when when, when does the great Gatsby take place but that's kind of how I like to think about history um I mean I know that I have definitely a whitewashed yeah 1925 kind of a whitewashed, um, you know, understanding of things, but, um, that's kind of how I was taught, honestly, like, I have to go out of my way, not that it's bad, but I do have to go out of my way to educate myself more, and that's been... bit of a process too because I've started that process kind of more newly in all honesty like around 2020 when I was first um, getting into studying finance and I started studying a little bit more about history but from different angles and I was like you know because me and my friend you know I have a friend from Mexico and he was like you know I never hear anything about my people it's like You know, there's this thing that happens, you know, in history where, like, you know, people's cultures just get completely erased, you know, you don't hear anything about it, and it's like, well, I know that we were there, you know, like, he's Mexican, they have a deep history, um, I mean, I found out in, you know, in, uh, maybe let's, let's say, like, San Gabriel area where they had the missions, and, like, um, other places around there uh, with the, gabri I think they're called the gabrieleno um, Indigenous people, but I think they, there was a different name, I think that was the name they were given by the Spanish, and a lot of people who were Indigenous people, um, would start referring to themselves as Mexicans, and, So I feel like a lot of the history, too, can be lost because my friend who is Mexican, you know, when he uh, takes, um, I mean, I have more than one Mexican friend, but I'm just talking about this guy specifically. Like he was saying that when he when he took his uh, test uh, or like a uh, what do you call it, like a, a DNA test or whatever those tests are that tell you about your ancestry And he said that the results showed that he was, like, mostly Native American. Like, I think, like, 90-something percent. Um, So I'm like, well, you know, you probably have a lot of tribal history. And maybe he was one of the groups of people that, you know, they just started calling themselves Mexican. But, you know, Mexicans technically are... You know, an indigenous group of people. Um, they just, you know, had the Spanish there, and I don't know. I don't want to get into all, all that too much right now, but um, yeah. So if you think about the fifth, the twenties, the Roaring Twenties, think about the Great Gatsby. The flappers, all this like crazy stuff, the thirties you know, well, I guess World War I was before the 20s and then you have the 20s, the 30s where, you know, a lot of, you know, the, the economy crashing and things um, and, you know, I don't know, that just sounds like a terrible period of time, like the, the late 20s, pretty much all the 30s, most of the 40s maybe the end of the 40s into the 50s things started looking better at least on the surface of America and so you know it seems like if I think like just by going by like popular media the reason why I mention it is because it's easy for people to kind of like see it and find it and view it and just be like oh like that's kind of like a one angle of a scope of like what things kind of look like so if you look at the 50s everything in the 50s looked pretty uh, there was like this um, it wasn't perfection but it looked like some version of um, perfection like if you look at Leave it to Beaver it was like wholesome family you know like a you know the younger son who kind of got in trouble a little bit but he's a kid and wasn't really doing anything too wrong and then you know the dad the brother Wally who you know he just kind of does his duty as an older brother his younger brother's a bit of a brat but they're kind of homies you know they get along enough they share a bedroom. And this is a big house, so I don't know if it only has two bedrooms, but they're sharing a bedroom, and I think they have a guest room, too. And they have a a den. The dad has a den. So it's kind of like, you know, even though they had space for an extra room, they shared a bedroom, and I guess that was maybe common back then. I don't really know. Um, But yeah, they basically just followed what was expected of them you know went to school joined social and athletic clubs um, stayed in shape went to church um, went to work the mom was a housewife and she was always busy dusting and cleaning and being there for the kids and shopping and you know keeping the house neat and clean and doing what she needed and then you know on weekends, they would kind of go out with their friends and, you know, you see this family kind of growing up, especially the kids, you see them kind of growing up, choosing different activities, you know, sports, getting letters, all kinds of stuff, dating, all kinds of things. And it just looked like typical, classic American family, you know? Um or at least how they wanted to present it as in I mean the 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 perspective I gathered from it was this is how your family should strive to be you know obedient to the parents I think um you know there was like physical punishment like they didn't show it in the show but they kind of like alluded to you know that the dad would like uh, you know, hit them with a belt or something when they were, when they did something really out of line, um, just different things like that, but it was, like, typical of the time, there was nothing about them that had any scandal or anything, really, like, there was nothing, um, too outside of, like, what America would expect of them, you know, and I know it's just a show, but it's like shows can say a lot about history. So if you think about the 50s and that kind of image, and then going into the 60s with the hippies and them being like, you know, we do not want that. You know, it's like a whole counterculture where they're against all of, all of that kind of You know go to school get a job get a career you know meanwhile there's all this other injustice and hatred and racism and homophobia and all these other things that have nothing to do with love and you know there's another part of society that sees hey there's a lot of inequality that you know is still being you know um pushed in our society like I've been watching a lot of these World War Two movies and videos and all kinds of content documentaries and everything. And one thing that's interesting is I've heard multiple survivors of the um, of the death camps of the Jewish, you know, the Jewish people who are in those death camps uh, explaining their experience even after the war where some of them came to the U.S. and they were like, oh, like, there's, like, a colored-only bathroom, or, like, there's racism in, in this, you know, state where they're living, and all this kind of stuff, like, they were kind of, like, you know, they left from a place that, you know, a lot of them were, like, immigrants, or I don't know what you call them, if they were considered immigrants, or refugees, or um, what the label was, but basically they hadn't lived in the U.S. before, and they come over there, and it's like that or like somebody else said, you know, you know, we can't even grab a grab a drink together at a bar in the U.S. But then I think they were saying this in the show. Um, it's like an animated it's like a new kind of like animated short series on Netflix. Um, you guys can tell I've been watching a lot of movies and shows. That's where I've been. I've been like binge watching stuff. Um, so basically, yeah, there would be people that were, that were, um, coming to the, coming to the U.S. and there were people who had fought in World War II who were Americans who said, you know, um, we don't even, you know, in, in my state back home, you know, I can't grab a drink with somebody who's fighting right beside me, you know, it's like they had, indigenous people fighting mexicans fighting all different races black people fighting you know all on the u.s side and you know they're going to war together as one unit you know and back home they can't be friends you know or they can't do things together without getting backlash or doing something that's kind of like against what the public expects of them uh, I'm not saying that people didn't do it, it's just that it wasn't something that you usually see too much or hear too much about too often. Um, but yeah, 60s hits and there's people who are like, you know, we don't want that. Also this war in Vietnam, we don't want that. And just kind of calling the US out, I'm like, look, like you guys are kind of saying that we're like a great nation over here and here we go you know messing everything up and there isn't love and equality and things like that and so that was kind of more of their focus and there were a lot of youth you know um and young people young adults who were part of these movements in bigger cities flooding into bigger cities in particular they mentioned a lot about san francisco and new york but um yeah like There were just a lot of people who, you know, the mainstream culture painted them as lazy. And I always kind of wondered if that's where the sign for no shoes, no shirt, no service came from. Um, Because I feel like that would have been against, you know, hippie culture because a lot of them didn't wear shoes. You know, a lot of them maybe didn't wear shirts. I don't really know, um, that's another thing I'd have to probably look up, um, let me see, let me see if I can find it, no shoes, no shirt, no service, origin, uh, says there's no federal law. I don't really know. So they said it was an attempt to keep people out um, that they simply didn't want to serve, so, I guess, uh, so yeah, that's what it says, you know, many teens from the late 60s to early 70s were basically, um, being turned away uh because of their hair or lack of shoes or shirt um yeah so that's what I was kind of thinking and then also probably homeless people as well who might not have shoes or someone in like extreme poverty who might not have shoes it's like I think it was kind of a way to discriminate against people who were just kind of doing something different that didn't really fit the mainstream, um, and not necessarily that the mainstream was good or preferred, um, but it's what, you know, was expected, um, so yeah, uh, That's kind of how how that went, and then um, yeah, like so the Stonewall riots were pretty much like near the middle of the of the hippie movement then, so that kind of gives it a bit of a timeline, uh, or a lot of a timeline, and I'm not saying that that's the main reason why it happened, but it's kind of like, well, when people are, you know, deconstructing, you know, parts of society, um, it seems like a lot of different things fall into place, like, even with with the Rona, we saw, you know, Black Lives Matter movement was kind of increasing more attention on police brutality, you know, people were actually focusing on that, uh, more focus on, you know, healthcare and, you know, discrimination within the healthcare system with different minority groups, um, who has access to different types of services, medical services, the government programs that were rolling out to help people financially, um, people were definitely calling out a lot of these other discriminations that were uh, still going on at the time, you know, it's like uh, people were all forced to sit home and watch and listen and think and, you know, they noticed all these things were going on and you know, I think during the hippie movement and during, you know, the Vietnam War, people would have also been, you know, tuning in to see kind of like what's going on. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that would have all affected, you know, the LGBT community, the trans community, um, you know, and... You know, making powerful uh choices because of you know because of all the injustices going on, so let's see I'm typing something on my phone right now all right, um. Yeah, so it seems like it lasted a few days. Uh, Stonewall Riots, June 28th of 1969 to July 3rd of 1969. Um, Let's see. Sorry, I'm trying to get to the link. Um... So this talks about origins, timelines, leaders. Um. Uh. So it says that in the 1960s um for example, solicitation of same-sex relations was illegal in New York City. Um and it says it's about gay rights before Stonewall uh, first documented U.S. gay rights organization uh, was founded in 1924 uh but police raids forced them to disband in 1925 and Uh, there was America's first lesbian rights organization, Daughters of bellatus I don't know how to say that, in San Francisco, September 21st of 1955, um, three years before Stonewall, uh, there was the Mattachine Society an organization dedicated to gay rights staged a sip-in where they only declared their sexuality at taverns. Um, And basically at the Stonewall Inn, it says the crime syndicated uh, sorry, the crime syndicate saw profit and catering to shunned gay clientele and by the 19 the mid 1960s the Genovese crime family controlled most of Greenwich Village gay bars in 1966 they purchased Stonewall Inn a straight bar and restaurant cheaply renovated it and reopened it the next year as a gay bar and Stonewall Inn was registered as a type of private bottle bar. Um, They didn't require a liquor license because patrons were um, supposed to bring their own liquor, that's cool. Um, And without uh, police interference, uh, they could cut costs to how they saw things fit, Um, the club didn't have a fire exit, running water behind the bar to wash glasses, clean toilets that didn't routinely overflow, and palatable drinks that weren't watered down beyond recognition. What's more, the mafia reported blackmailed, the mafia reportedly blackmailed the club's wealthier patrons who wanted to keep their sexuality secret, so people were getting blackmailed, um... And it was basically a mafia-owned place. Very interesting. Um, But yeah, business is business. Um, And... Yeah, so... That's some of the early intro info. Um, it says when the police raided Stonewall Inn on the morning of June 28th, it came as a surprise. The bar wasn't tipped off this time. Um, so police officers came with a warrant, roughed up patrons, and finding bootlegged alcohol arrested 13 people, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, including employees and people violating the state's gender-appropriate clothing statute. I didn't know there was a gender-appropriate clothing statute back then. Damn. Uh, Female officers would take suspected cross-dressing patrons into the bathroom to check their sex. And, you know, basically people were Fed up with police harassment and social discrimination, uh, angry patrons and neighborhood residents hung around outside of the bar rather than dispersed, becoming increasingly agitated as the events unfolded and people were aggressively manhandled. At one point, an officer hit a lesbian over the head as he forced her into the police van. She shouted to onlookers to act inciting the crowd to begin throw the crowd to begin throw penny uh, inciting the crowd is it supposed to be throwing pennies, bottles, cobblestones and other objects at the police within minutes a full blown riot um, involving hundreds of people began the police, a few prisoners and a village voice writer barricaded themselves in the bar which the mob attempted to set on fire after breaching the barricade repeatedly um yeah so uh and then it says there's a lot of stuff i'm skipping and it says on the one-year anniversary of the riots on june 28th 1970, thousands of people marched in the streets of Manhattan from the Stonewall Inn to Central Park in what was called Christopher Street Liberation Day, uh, America's first gay pride parade. The parade's official chant was, say it loud, gay is proud. So I like that. Um... Well, I don't like all of it. I like the ending. Uh, That's from an article on history.com. It's just... The title is Stonewall Riots. Uh, Updated May 31st of 2022. So, the original was written on May 31st of 2017. And... guess they didn't update it this year so okay that's fine um so I'm gonna post that uh that link and then yeah so that's generally you know how it happened why it happened time frame of why it happened and I don't want to make this way too long So I'm going to talk about the pride evolving over my lifetime and events in the next episode. Uh, Because this is kind of going to be too long. Uh, I'm really tired. You guys can probably tell. I'm like super tired, but I don't want to go to bed yet. So And I don't want to watch anything. I was watching stuff earlier, so... I'm kind of done with, like, watching shows and stuff. So, yeah, I'm just kind of chilling, recording. But I'm talking really slow because I'm really kind of tired. My processing speed's a little slow. But that's how it goes. All right, guys, thanks for listening.